Paceline is a production of the Cycling Independent with the support of listeners like you and the master bike builders at Seven Cycles. We are community supported, community focused, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. At the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Uh, did you fit much in last weekend? Uh, I, I, fit, I did fit some in. It was extremely sweaty um, because it has been so hot and humid here. Ugh. For weeks and weeks. I mean, the whole country is under a heat dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're getting is just like peak humidity and sunshine and hot. And we went and rode in the morning on Sunday and I did my best. <laughs> but you are a but, robot. Yeah, I am a robot. But uh turns out uh this is a thing that happens to me. I don't know if uh, other people experience it. This is just the last few years that in the heat, when I reach max heart rate, as I often will on a real punchy technical mountain bike ride, mm-hmm. I have a real hard time getting uh, back down to a manageable level. Mm. You know, like even when I back off the pedals and, and, and slow roll, my heart rate will drop. But as soon as I, you know, hit the next punch, it spikes again. Wow. Um, and so I end up with this series of sort of like spiked heart rates, uh, which I can sustain for a little while, uh, mm-hmm. but just not as long as the younger me could. But that's OK. Uh, I got some whoops and some, you know, uh, some smiles in. And it was good. What about you? Uh, I got no cycling in last weekend. Uh, I, uh, I went up to Yosemite National Park uh, with some high school friends to do some hiking. And it was pretty touch and go there for a while. There was, there was a fire inside Yosemite. And uh, I was supposed to drive there uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And the, the fire had started a few days before that. Uh, actually a number of days before that. And the AQI was just, uh, well, to use a technical term, terrible. Uh, And, you know, I kept just like, I can't do this, guys. And it was more the psychological aspect of stepping outside and smelling a campfire and knowing that there's an uncontrolled fire burning nearby. Right. I've been evacuated from my home three times so uh that's that experience is just kind of a non-starter uh it's eight or ten kinds of ptsd for me um and so i was in touch with the guys every day and then all of a sudden uh early friday morning i get this text the fire's out uh and i started checking stuff and there wasn't a lot of information but i was able to verify that the fire was out and so I loaded up the car and drove to Yosemite and we proceeded to hike Yosemite Falls later that day. And wow. it was 
awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, my pick today uh, is related to my trip to Yosemite because I was reminded of the awesomeness of one particular product. Oh, I, well, my ride this weekend, uh, which was a sweat infused um, grind, uh, also inspired my pick. So I can't I can't wait to get to the second half of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you lead us out in that case? All right. So um, so we're out of the men's tour. Yep. And straight into the women's. Yeah. Um, I think I did a poll. I wrote a thing a few months back about all the things the women's pro tour gets right. Uh, and even three stages in, you can see it in this women's Tour de France. Eight stages that are shorter than the men's race means that there are constant attacks. The women can pour their souls out on every stage, and it's just as exciting as hell. Cool. Uh, the other thing that shorter tours means for the women is that a strong rider can legitimately race all three in one season. As we are currently watching Anamiek Van Vluten attempt to sweep all three. She won the Vuelta in May, the Giro Don last month, or uh, basically at the beginning of this month. Uh, <laughs> and she certainly has her eye on this tour. Meanwhile, the SD Work Squad, which is absolutely stacked with talent, is working the peloton over day by day. So we'll see if one of their leaders, really pick any of them, but I'd say probably <laughs> Demi Vollering, can deny Van Vluten the clean sweep in what is her last season on the circuit before she retires. Wow. Yeah, it's fair to wonder why she's retiring when she's the strongest rider in the pack, despite being 40 years old and having won pretty much everything there is to win. Oh, and she's racing in the world champions jersey, too. Neat trick. Show your friends. It is, yeah, if you can, if it's <laughs> if you can, I highly recommend you try it. Um, so it's tempting to say she's going to breeze to this win. But if you watch the racing, there are a lot of strong women who can win this thing. We'll we'll know more, I think, when the real climbing starts, as we do in every Grand Tour. But I find myself wishing that Netflix had given the women the docu-series treatment instead of the men. Yeah. The Men's Tour de France is already a global event, and it was great to get the -the behind-the-scenes look at it, although many will point out that the look we got was crafted more by writers and producers than by the teams themselves. Many (laughs) of the teams commenting about the Netflix series were like, yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, or, or on the one, uh, on the one that will no doubt be coming out after this year's tour, I can't wait to see what happened. Um, I, I, um, I maintain as a, uh, I all, this is one of my favorite hobby horses that sports are just character driven narrative, right? Yep. They appear to be competitions or I should say that they appear to be competitions is just the vehicle for the story, right? Yeah. Uh, I think more people follow stories when they know the characters. Oh, for sure. Women's racing is every bit as good as men's and better, as I said, in some respects. It would be great if a larger audience could get a a primer on who the main characters and teams are, because I think that would boost these races a lot. Uh, I think a lot for a lot of people, it's challenging just to turn on the race and not who not know who the main characters are and try to like bring themselves up to speed, which I I get. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. I happen to invest that time because 
that's something that I do, but I understand that there's a, a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Netflix documentary would would have been a great way to get over that barrier. But anyway, um, there's a generational change coming in the women's peloton. Mm-hmm. Van Vluten and Mariana Voss will be out of the picture sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really interesting to see who rises to the top next. There are a bunch of... Super strong women. Uh, I'm thinking of, and, and these are women who have won races. Elisa Longo Borghini, uh, Kaisha Noiva Doma, um, Demi Vollering, pretty much anyone on SD Works. <laughs> uh, so I think it's going to be super cool to see what what comes next. Uh, I I don't. I'm not happy to see Van Vluten retiring just because she is. She represents the sport, sports generally, really well. Um, but it's a little bit like watching Eddie Merck's race. Like, sometimes you just think, does anyone else have a chance here? <laughs> I know I urge you to follow the tour this year. Let me just say, it's only eight stages, this women's tour. It might be worth investing the time. I, I am going to make the effort. I'm going to yeah. make the effort. Yeah. Stage three today. Uh, I'll catch you up on the first two after we, after we finish here and you'll be good to go. All right. All right. Uh, that, that sounds, that sounds fun. Um, yeah, I, I like women's racing and, uh, yes, I'm very behind on this cast of characters. Uh, so there's a little bit of a a learning curve. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like when I first started taking an interest in pro cycling in 1986 and like i didn't know who this bernard hinault was sure uh you know or or laurent fignan um i i didn't take any french in undergraduate school um yeah and the french that i'd learned in elementary school allowed me to count to very big numbers um but not much else yeah yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of barge your way into a story. And, and in some instances, you know, you, you re- mentioned Eno and Fignon, like you would have been fed initially that story. Maybe they were on Wide World of Sports or in a magazine, but you were told yeah. this, these are the character, these are the protagonists, this is the conflict. Yeah. And then you sat back and watched the conflict play out. And okay, interesting story. And along the way, probably you learned some more characters. My uh, my knowledge of both the men's and women's pelotons are highly imperfect. There are <laughs> I'm learning new characters all the time on both sides <laughs> of the equation. I think it's also worth saying that um, as men's and women's racing goes it's it's tempting to say like in the interest of equality or equal representation that oh it's the same thing it's just women doing it versus men doing it but actually there are some differences Mm -hmm. and they're interesting differences uh and they're worth learning about and and i don't think one is better or worse than the other although i will say that um through the spring season i did enjoy watching the women more um and that has I think that has a lot to do with there being more characters who are willing to take risks. Um, 
more... Yeah, the story doesn't play out quite as linearly for the women often as it does for the men. Although this year's men's tour, I thought, was particularly cool in the way that the breakaway succeeded a a lot of times. Mm -hmm. We're no longer seeing stages where the Peloton or the the yellow jerseys team sits on the front of the Peloton and just adjusts their power meter to whatever they need to do mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. catch the the breakaway in the last mile and impose whatever their will is. It seems much less controlled and much more interesting. So that's good to hear. That's good yeah. to hear. Uh, it, you know, who knows? I, I might yet return to following racing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try not to bark about it all the time, but, uh, (laughs) this, just as I was thinking about what to talk about this week, I was excited about the women's race, uh, which just started. And I thought I was going to pivot to the women's world cup because, you know, I'm a soccer guy Mm -hmm. and I'm paying attention to the scores, but I'm not really watching games yet. Uh, cause I just don't have that much room in my brain for, for stories, (laughs) <laughs> uh, in addition to the work and the stories that I'm already writing. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I thought I was going to pivot to the Women's World Cup and I pivoted to the Women's Tour de France instead. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Uh, so we're going to take a short break and will we... I do this. I, I think I try you to get... You struggle with this one. I, I get ahead of my own mouth. Um, yeah. We will be back in just a minute. This month, we're sponsored by our good friends at Seven Cycles, who've been in the vanguard of American custom frame building for more than a quarter century. When you work with Seven on a bike, you get real input into the design. They offer more tube set options than any other builder. They offer more ways to customize your bike. The process is deep, but it's also fun, and the result is a bike you'll love riding for a lifetime. We've secured a few places in their busy build queue for Paceline listeners, which means you can get a fully custom dream bike from Seven in just three weeks from submitting your measurements. This is the fastest route to the very best bike you're ever going to own. Also, just for us, they're doing what they call the Centennial Build. That means that your designer, bike builder, welder, and finisher will have more than 100 years combined bike building experience. That's a lot. To find out more, just head to sevencycles.com forward slash TCI. Okay, we're back with the pace line. What have you got on your mind this week? Well, uh, I'm going to take on some feedback I got about something I said last week. Uh, This probably would have remained just a private conversation were it not for the fact that I realized our pace listeners, uh, pace... (laughs) I'm, I'm, hi, my name's Patrick. I'm new to speaking. Are you nervous today? Are you nervous? It's okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I realized our Paceline listeners, uh, could have heard what I said the way, um, this particular listener did. And I'll get more into that in a second. So, uh, we were chatting about being, uh, being parents, uh, and our riding lives. And, uh, in talking about that, I uttered an old adage the first child changes the life of the mother and the second child changes the life of the father. Now I'm dealing with this because, uh, when I said that I meant it in a very narrow sense that when my first son was born, my writing life changed, but not that much. Uh, 15 hour weeks on the bike became more like 12 hour weeks on the bike. Um, though every now and then I could still shoehorn in a 15, 
um, I stayed fit at a level that kept me happy. And by that, I mean, I was active enough that my brain was getting plenty of dopamine and serotonin, and that kept me out of the pit of despair. Um, that's, yeah. Uh, I've pit come, of despair. Yep. Yeah. I've come to appreciate that cycling for me uh, is uh, maybe 60% antidepressant and 40% fun. Sure. Uh, it took me a long time to learn that, but I, <laughs> the, the lesson did arrive. Yeah. Um, so after my second son was born, my writing life changed pretty radically. Uh, a good week was cut to half of what it had been. Uh, managing two kids is more than double the work of one kid. And, uh, well, I do intend to be a responsible parent. Uh, I, I, I'd like to assert that I am a responsible parent, but some, some opinions may differ on that. <laughs> uh, so in using that phrase, you know, I meant that I saw a big change in my writing life once my second son was born, but no more than that. The thing is that I have to acknowledge is it wasn't a good idea for me to use a saying that perpetuates old stereo old stereotypes of parenting, um, that is the patriarchy. Um, and the feedback in question came from my girlfriend, Jennifer, and she was, I think this is a fair descriptor, uh, sort of aghast that I would use that saying in reference to my own life. Um, one could assert that she knows exactly what sort of father I am and in what, uh, became a, well, somewhat painful conversation for us both. She pointed out how the simple fact that I'd been Mr. Mom when my eldest was born was proof that using that phrase cut against my own dedication to my son. Uh, the word contradiction came out of her mouth at one point. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll break this down a bit more. When my ex first went back to work, and I'll never forget the look of pain on her face as she shut the front door to leave. Uh, it was an awful thing to witness, and I absolutely felt terrible for her. Um, you know, I'd be the one home with Philip. My routine was an early group ride at 6.30, after which I'd get home and she'd have him fed or partially fed. And then, you know, we'd do the handoff and she'd leave for work about 8.30. I'd play with him, and uh, as you and I agreed, uh, Yo Gabba Gabba is money. We would watch DJ that Lance. every Yeah. Yep. We would yep. watch that every morning without fail. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd sit there along him, and in between the dances, I'd do email and whatnot. Um, and then we would head to the park for some fun, um, then home for lunch, and I'd put him down for a nap. And at that point, I would start writing she would get home around 3.30 and take over just as he was waking up from his nap every now and then. He woke up early and uh, I would have to tend to him mid-verb. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the point being, I did pull my weight. I absolutely pulled my weight. Uh, there was even some friction once when I was better able to soothe him following some upset. Uh, that was... That felt like a true role reversal. You know, mom is always mm -hmm. comfort. And uh, right. on one occasion, he came running for me. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, these days, my ex and I split 
custody, trading weeks. We do a swap on Wednesdays because Wednesday is when airfare is cheapest. Uh, and I have been traveling a load in the last couple of years. Um, what with a girlfriend in Seattle and all. Um, I'm at this point in my life struggling to get my riding up to north of about eight hours in a week. Um, so, yeah, I'm an involved dad. Um, and yeah, it was kind of dumb of me to use a turn of phrase that points to how most guys don't really step up until push and shove are in the same room. Um, I did step up. I do step up. I stepped up right away. And to the degree that I find myself a role model or uh, an example of something, uh, I, I owe our audience uh, a certain, um, uh, well, accuracy. I, I need to be accurate about what it is I live and do um, and how I balance my writing life versus my parenting. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, at this, I, 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 f I feel all that. I feel like I lived much of that. Uh, myself, I think, uh, at the same time, and it's great. You're, you're sort of owning this and turning it over. Um, we're, we're imperfect, all of us. And especially uh, me. Well, not especially you, especially everybody, uh, almost in equal measure. Everybody mm -hmm. has the same amount of imperfection and, uh, and we all have blind spots and sometimes we put things out that we, oh, maybe I could have said that better or differently or come at it from a different. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's all to the good. Um, I also think, you know, just speaking from my own experience is that, Few adages or sayings capture the way families divide their roles now. Mm -hmm. Some are, you know, super what you might call traditional, where that adage might have applied aptly. Uh, others are a mix, you know, it's like a continuum. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, I don't think either of us is here to say that you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. My wife and I often joke about um, how our roles are traditional in some senses and totally reversed in others. It's just a weird, uh, it's a, it's a funky collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Down to the individual people, who they are, what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, there've been times in my kid's life where my wife was definitely, uh, What's the word I want to use? It was more important to her to to address everything with the kids for her. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there were times where, you know, together we were like, oh, John, you need to be making uh, lunches and doing this and the, doing the pickups. And, you know, our roles really reversed. So it's 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 all of that stuff. Um, and then how that relates to riding, you know. You know how family is. Uh, <laughs> all the stuff has to get done, and then maybe you'll get to ride your bike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the weird thing for me is, so we do the this, you know, trade, you know, a week on, a week off, week on, yep. a week off. And then every now and then there are occasions where, you know, I'm traveling or she's doing something and, you know, we have to swap out a weekend or even a full week. Uh, 
And, you know, I, I, I will look at a calendar and think, okay, I can definitely bump up my writing in that week. And even when they're gone, a lot of times my, my writing still, for whatever reason, uh, I need to pin that down, but you know, they're, yeah, even when they're not here, there are times when I still don't get to bump it up. Well, we're routine. We're a routine oriented species, aren't we? Uh, And I I think it's very hard to say, oh, this week I do this and next week I do that. And then this and switch back and forth. I think that's pretty tough. We all thrive in a schedule. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. 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 I think beating yourself up is not the way to get on the bike. Uh, a, a, A truth, true story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think one one of the interesting cues for me is just my friends. Uh, I get asked, "Do you want to ride this day? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do the other?" And I try to say as much. I try to say yes as much as I can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that seems to be sort of a safety valve on me drifting off into space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, due to the amount of travel I have been doing between Memphis and Seattle and some other stuff. Uh, <sighs> I haven't been as in touch with my friends. And so, <laughs> you know, I'm not getting uh, the text saying, you know, Wednesday morning, six o'clock trailhouse. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I need to ping some people and work on that. Um, I need to be doing more to, uh, to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, foster my friendships, uh, you know. Uh, yeah yeah but again you know now is not forever um and i say that because i tend to behave as if it is like if i can't ride this week Mm -hmm. i'm like well i'm never riding again obviously life has changed and now i can never ride again which is not the fact at all you know you you have a relationship uh in seattle and you put a fair amount of time into that and and there is Time and emotional energy is finite. So mm-hmm. it's not that you don't love your friends. It's not that you don't want to spend time with them, but you know, there's less time for them and that's okay. This is now yep. and later will be later. Yep. Uh, to your point, I remember many years ago uh, in the early days of RKP, uh, I was, uh, you and I were messaging back and forth uh, and I was commiserating with you about uh, the challenge of Philip, you know, uh, a sp- a small squirmy thing that could projectile vomit, you know, six or eight feet. Um, and, uh, you know, your kids are some older, um, and it's, they're not that much older, but at that point in time, you know, they were like at least double his age. Right. Uh, and you were like, it, it, you know, this, it's gonna get easier. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It won't be like this forever. And I could not, in my mind, imagine an eight-year-old child. Yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of live the now is forever fallacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my kids are 16 and 18, and I feel like I'm actually getting sucked into like a future vortex where they're here right now, but I can feel their absence coming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I I will likely have a lot more riding time in in the not very distant future. And I'm not even sure how I feel about that. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, I I can appreciate that. Um, 
you know, m- most of my friends are empty nesters. Um, uh, you know, uh, some of them are even retired. Uh, a guy I used to do loads and loads of miles with last year. I think he rode 14,000 miles. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've done some 10,000 mile years. Uh, I don't know. I've probably got a half dozen of those under my belt. I don't even want to be on the bike that much. I mean, you, right. you could plunk me down in Provence and no, I don't, I don't want to pedal that much. I wish I could plunk you down in Provence. That feels like a nice thing to do for a friend, but <laughs> riding or not riding. Yeah. Yeah. My interest is probably as much in baguette as it is in riding at that point. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh huh. Yeah. Uh, and pink wine. Uh, oh, if well. you say so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where I, I learned that uh, rosé is a thing of beauty and has a place in this world that should not be messed with. I mean, I believe you. It's my role <laughs> in life to mess with everything. Uh, but but yeah, pink wine. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> As I love to say, potato, potato. <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I yeah. It was important for me to to address this. Uh, I I do feel really strongly that as a member of the media, I I need to demonstrate that uh, I've got my head uh, screwed on in a way that is uh, not running completely counter to our our uh, cultural growth, um, our evolution as a species. Um, sure. I I like. Uh, I, I like the ways that we've learned how to pay better respect to others, to treat others with greater empathy. Um, and I, I really don't ever want to see myself, uh, uh, I don't want other people to see me as somebody, uh, who is, uh, is hostile to that sort of growth. I think that is great. I think that is great. I, I guess my only, uh, reaction would be it is great as long as it doesn't come with a self-flagellation. Uh-huh. That's fair. That's all. Yeah. That's all. We're imperfect and we grow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers. That's right. Yes. Alrighty. How about some paceline picks? All right, today I'm picking a product I've picked before, mainly because it's the time of year when it shines and because I love it so much. Um, It's the Orange Mud Transition Wrap 2.0 Changing Towel and Car Seat Cover. Mmm, I remember this one. Was it Linus that had the security blanket on peanuts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my Orange Mud uh, towel, it's a towel. I'm a grown man who carts a towel around and is... Oh, so you're uh, Arthur Dent. You're not Linus. You're Arthur Dent. Is that right? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He, he oh, gets, yes. He gets plunked okay. into outer space with a, a nightshirt and a towel. Ah. You know, I read that book again last year, but obviously I didn't bring any details back along with me. But anyway, yes, yeah, so I have this security towel. Um... Orange Mud is a small company from Texas. They're known mainly for hydration packs. Uh-huh. I think they probably started in trail running, which is where I heard of them. But then someone said, oh, they make this towel for your car and you need it. 
Uh, so I looked it up and I was like, okay. And I, I was a little skeptical at first. I think actually my wife ended up buying it for me. Um, so the, basically the transition wrap, it's a towel with a hook and a loop closure on one edge mm-hmm. that allows you to get out of sweaty bike shorts and into something lighter. You could use just a regular towel for that, but if you've used a regular towel for that enough times, you have also shown your buttocks to people a few more times than you intended to. So this hook and loop closure is like lights out, uh, preserves your modesty. I this time of year, I have to get out of sweaty bike shorts as soon as I can. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I do a lot more parking lot changing this time of year than I do the rest of the year. Um, Then, as if being the best changing towel isn't great enough, there's a zip closure on one end. That lets you hook the towel. It basically turns it into a hood. Uh-huh. But the hood goes over the back of your the headrest on your car seat. So now the towel is solid in place. You can drape the rest of it down over the car seat. So you're sitting entirely on towel that doesn't move. And you're not infusing your car with the aromatic vestiges of every ride you've ever done. Yeah, that's why this thing has been on my mind lately. I've begun to think, you know, I last year I bought a new vehicle, um, used, but you know, new to me. And I uh whereas my old Subaru had leather seats and all you had to do was give them a wipe occasionally with a baby wipe and they were great. Uh I now have fabric seats and uh sweating into the fabric seats has um it has occurred to me that that's maybe not the move I want to go for. I traded in my old Mazda 3 hatchback a couple years back, and they were like, all we can give you is 500 bucks for this thing. And okay, it was pretty clapped out. And I started to think like, oh, I should haggle with them about this. And then I remembered how much of my sweat was in the driver's seat. And I thought, nah, 500 bucks is fair. (laughs) So, if you're a heavy sweater like I am, this thing feels like a a multi-phase game changer. Uh, The friends I have who have seen mine have bought their own. Uh, Wow, okay. It's the perfect solution to one of cycling's lesser spoken about problems. What to do with yourself when you're gross and not home yet. Okay, now I do have one technical question about this product. The hook and loop closure. Um, once, Once it is... Uh, on your car seat is the, uh, the, the hook part of the hook and loop closure. Um, is that facing up? Is it going to catch on your, uh, your jeans or no, no, it's on the downside now. Is it going to, does that catch on the fabric of the car? The, the seat I've never encountered that problem. Yeah. And the hook, uh, I should say the hook is flat. So it goes into these slots. It's not a round hook. It's like a, um, it's a flat hook. So it's, it's not, it's not like Velcro, but made by somebody else. It's, it's a different sort of type of kind of thing. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's a hook. It's an actual plastic hook that goes through a a hole Oh, so the towel has all these slots down one side, depending on um, your girth. 
it goes around you and the hook goes into one of those slots. So it's self itself, uh, widening or, or tightening. Uh-huh. Uh, it's adjustable for, uh, p- humans of all the sizes. Oh, um, so, so it's not Velcro-y. There's no Velcro involved. Okay. Well, that requires a, a different phrase. Hook and loop closure oh, is, yes. is the way to refer to Velcro when it's not Velcro brand. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is a, I don't know, hook and slot or or tab and slot or I. I it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's so it's a it's an entirely different sort. OK, well, it, it works more like a belt. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's um, reinforced on that one side, so you're not going to tear it apart. Well, uh, you know, I can't speak for our listeners, obviously, but you've just made an already interesting product to me, or a product that was already interesting to me, now a, a fair bit more compelling. Uh, with the next paycheck, I'll have some play money, and I, I think they're going to be hearing from me. Uh, I rec- I definitely recommend it. It's forty four ninety five, uh, and it comes in nine colors. Guess which color I have? Um, black. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you could have given me three chances, and I think I still would have. I I would have just picked black for all three chances. Yeah, yeah. I have the black, but it comes in. Oh, it comes in orange and pink and. You can match it to whatever crazy driver's seat you have or express your personality with your with your sweat towel. I love uh, it. Or, or, or Clash, you know. Or um, Clash, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, orange would certainly grab my interest and something orange uh, in my car would uh, be a, a, a visual disturbance. Yeah. It would be a disruption in the force. Possibly a positive one. Who knows? <laughs> All right, that's enough about my security towel. What are you picking? (laughs) So my pick this week is a sock, uh, the Swiftwick Aspire 7. Um, While I have purchased these socks in the past, uh, the particular pair I'm basing this review on, I was given at press camp, I think six years ago. Um, And that's really the first point I want to make with this review. I've been wearing these socks for six years and they have held up impressively. Uh, Other than the yellow stripe being not quite so neon these days, but still being neon. um, There's no mistaking the fact that it is a neon yellow. Uh, They otherwise pretty well look new. Um, And as I mentioned, I was in Yosemite National Park last week with some friends from high school and uh, I wore the Aspire 7s, 7 being uh, the length of the cuff. There's a four inch version and a little ankle version. Uh, When we hiked Yosemite Falls, which climbs uh, 3000 feet in a whopping three miles. So that's a thousand feet per mile, um, which is about. 10 times what you would climb in a mile on the road. Uh, To call it strenuous is maybe like saying Paul McCartney wrote some neat tunes. Um, Here's the thing. I haven't been hiking that much lately. And after we got back to our room, I was worried I'd have a blister or three. Um, I I was already amazed that I couldn't already feel uh, a blister as we were walking back. Um, 
But as it happened, I didn't have a single blister, not one. And I do attribute that to my boots and my socks. Uh, but I can't really review the boots here. Uh, the Aspire 7 is a relatively thin sock, but offers great compression and breathability. Uh, indeed, my feet weren't sweaty when I pulled my boots off. Um, I've always loved these socks, but they really proved themselves off the bike, which makes me love them all that much more on the bike. Um, a pair goes for $19.99, but a three-pack goes for $50.97, which is effectively half off a third pair. Uh, they come in five different patterns, um, though the bundle just comes in three flavors, uh, white, black, and neon yellow. And you can either buy all three in one of those or uh, a multi-pack with one white, one black, one neon yellow. There will, as always, be a link in our show notes. All righty. I love it. Socks and a towel. We're really killing this thing. Stimulating yeah. the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are a lifestyle show. And <laughs> I think this is a, a, as, as much a testament as, as we can make. I worry a little bit that there are people out there living the paceline lifestyle. I don't want that kind of responsibility, but we, we should close on that note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything fun coming up this weekend? Um, well, the humidity is supposed to drop out on Sunday, uh, mm. so I'm going to just ride mountain bikes again, but more comfortably. Well, that's nice to hear. I am off to Memphis with my boys uh, so that grandma can uh, have some fun spoiling them. Uh, my eldest, uh, happy birthday to Philip. Well, by the time everyone hears this, it'll be past his birthday. But as we are uh, recording on his birthday, happy birthday to my eldest son, Philip, uh, born this day in 2009. Um, man. Is is there a Slurpee in his future? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Um, yeah, it really is thundering there, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best to um, mute when I'm not talking so that you're not getting this torrential downpour we're having. Um, <laughs> but... There are, there are worse things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we're going to Memphis for a full week. Um, as a result, next week's show might be a little late. Uh, it might not be there first thing Thursday morning. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, but we will still absolutely record next week. Just so yeah. you can live the paceline lifestyle. Yeah. Well, it'll be my turn to get the heat and humidity. Oh, good. Good point. I'm <laughs> anxious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Um, I, well, I, I rather suspect that I still hate it. Um, my joke about Memphis is I didn't have a reason to leave. There were four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same for me with Mobile, Alabama. And that's without, uh, trying to cast any aspersions on the denizens thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do love going back to Memphis because of the people I get to see. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, we'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, what we talked about today, especially if anyone wants to further take me to task uh, for bad sayings um, or, or congratulate me for getting my head screwed on straight. Uh, all, all those are eligible. And hey, 
We would love for you to subscribe. Uh, we have three, five, and $10 options. And of course, um, that tip jar, if you don't want to be making a habit of this. Your dollars do go directly into this podcast rather than private equity. Uh, we are we are not one of those big operations. Uh, so, and that, of course, includes revolting with John and Steve Knievel. So, uh, we'd love you to help keep us uh, in our servers. That's really what it is, uh, since we're not we're not having to buy tape or uh, paper. Uh, dude, thanks. Uh, until next week, uh, this is Patrick with John and uh, the Thunder too. Thanks for listening to the Pace Line. <laughs> <laughs>